This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more. Work harder. Experiment. Build. Break. And build again. Write code. Improve it. Job done. Celebrate. Insurance. Finance. Retail. Defense. Robotics. Energy. Amethyx. Welcome back to another episode of Data Sunset Home Podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the usual office of Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. Today, I want to speak about Rust and uh, artificial intelligence. Um, given uh, one observation, probably uh, one of the fewest that actually makes sense by Elon Musk, the ones who know me, of course, and have been following this podcast know what I think about Elon Musk. But, uh, you know, the only thing is that when you when Elon Musk says something, you need some kind of filter, filters probably more than one on. And so, you know, you need to uh, kind of filter out a bit of the BS that Elon Musk can, can say. Uh, regardless of his success, whatever it is, you know, um, he's kind of uh, the type of person who wants to be always on the news and so makes these claims that can be pretty uh, exaggerated, to say the least. But there is one uh, relatively recent tweet, um, in fact, a very small thread on, uh, on X, um, when he actually you know, said that uh, Rust is going to be the language uh, of artificial general intelligence. Now, of course, there is already one exaggeration about this, which is artificial general intelligence, is <laughs> the G in AGI. Uh, but in my opinion, when uh, uh, he said uh, that Rust is in fact the language of artificial intelligence, that kind of confirmed many of the uh, speculations or, uh, or definitely the opinions that I have about this amazing language. And, you know, it's no longer a mystery that uh, I believe Rust is in fact the language of the future. Uh, there are several episodes that I've dedicated to this wonderful language. Um, I've also explained how uh, inside of my company, of course, we have uh, migrated uh, most of the commercial projects from a, you know, the usual Python uh, stack, uh, Python C++ stack to Rust, solving many of the issues uh, in matter of uh, safety uh, and, of course, also efficiency, uh, especially in comparison with Python. And that's exactly uh, the main point of uh, Elon's tweet, uh, or X, whatever is it called. I still find it very weird to call it X. Anyway, um, I still believe that that's kind of the most important part of that statement, which is um, a direct comparison with Python. And uh, those of you who are in the space, who have been in the space for a while, in the space of artificial intelligence, but even data science and machine learning, and, you know, they usually have started, you know, playing around with uh, uh, Python and many uh, Python frameworks that are uh, available when it comes to, for example, data transformations, uh, as well as data manipulation pipelines, as well as uh, more sophisticated things like, of course, deep learning frameworks, computer vision, uh, large language models, and so on and so forth. And so Python has you know, become, we all know this, it's no longer news, um, the de facto standard when it comes to artificial intelligence and machine learning. And it has been essentially the one language uh, in the scene for about 20 years. Uh, but this is about to change due to, um, 
you know, the next big trend of these large language models that are kind of imposing some, uh, you know, form of optimization when it comes to, uh, for example, memory, uh, storage, and of course, also compute, because, uh, you know, Python is not necessarily the, the best language when it comes to efficiency and optimization. A reason for which uh, there is a, a new language that has been uh, designed um, by um, Chris Latner, uh, who's also the inventor of the uh, LLVM uh, suite of tools for, uh, you know, compiling uh, from an high-level language to an intermediate representation and therefore to uh, pretty much all the, uh, well, not all, but many of the uh, low-level architectures that we know we are used to deal with today. Um, he's also the inventor of Clang, Swift, uh, and many other things out there. So he is probably one of the uh, most talented developers that we have uh, at the moment. And uh, he could demonstrate also that uh, Python can be something like 35,000 uh, times slower than compiled languages, uh, which is the reason why he invented a new language which is called Mojo. Uh, Mojo is still, uh, you know, not released, not fully released, not fully accessible to all, but uh, it's something that it's getting there and it's definitely uh, probably one of the best combinations between, uh, let's say, Python or interpreted languages and compiled languages. So it's kind of a, a mix um, and that makes a lot of sense because you know, it's a new language. It is. Uh, it has been designed specifically for AI tasks and AI workflows. And of course, it has many of the capabilities that, let's say, traditional computer uh, programming languages do not have. But Rust um, is kind of the, well, it has been the underdog for a while uh, until it came, it came out into the scene uh, pretty wildly, I would say. And uh, I strongly believe, as probably Elon does, uh, it's going to be the uh, best, probably the best replacement uh, of Python uh, or Python workflows. And uh, of course, the two languages are very, very different. Um, one is interpreted Python, the other is compiled. Uh, one has a runtime, the other doesn't. Um, and of course, one uh, is uh, much easier to understand and to read, and the other is more cryptic, which is Rust. Rust is notoriously pretty uh, cryptic language. Um, I don't find it as difficult as, for example, Perl. <laughs> Back in the days, Perl was one of the most cryptic languages I've ever had to deal with. But um, probably that's because I already know several languages and learning a new one is usually um, you know, easier than starting from scratch. Um, even though starting from scratch with Rust, I actually would recommend it because there are many uh, paradigms of, uh, of programming that are actually new and uh, definitely force the developer or the wannabe developer, um, you know, to learn concepts uh, about concurrency, about safety, um, the hard way. Now, what I found is also that in the last few months, especially with the advent of large language models and, you know, these massive models, several billions of parameters is no longer an exception now, looking for optimization is kind of a must. Uh, you know, it's not something optional uh, anymore, as we uh, were doing with Python uh, workflows, for example. So, you know, several months ago, or definitely before the advent of LLMs, what we were used to do, especially in commercial environments, was to start with Python, 
uh, and it's probably something that we still do for you know non-LLM based projects. Uh, starting with Python, prototyping your let's say new idea, new concept, uh, see it working, uh, iterating a bit with the business, and then when you know everything is done or everything seems to work as expected, migrating that um, let's say code base from Python to a better language or well better is of course usually a compiled language depending of course on the um, on the tasks and on the domain and uh, on the requirements uh, in production environments with llm as i was saying this that was kind of an optional um, let's say task for engineers and developers it's no longer an option and it's something that we actually have to start with something with a language that is performant performant enough to deal with billion parameter models you know so there is a very nice combination um, that actually can be considered as a very good replacement of python especially when it comes to engineering problems um, which are uh, you know the problems that uh, data engineers have to deal with whenever they want to increase the performance of the uh, let's say workflows and code uh, and snippet code snippets that are thrown out of the fence from uh, developers, usually Python developers. And so usually um, data engineers have to deal with uh, uh, some really nasty optimizations to just make it work uh, because of course they don't want to deal with uh, that machine learning algorithm or they don't want to deal with that tokenizer or whatever the NLP underneath is. They just trust that that stuff is, let's say, built to perform even though it's not uh, and then they just do some you know dirty tricks on some magic to make it as fast as possible uh, you know tweaking and tuning the typical engineering tools right and so we have seen many times for example using uh, docker containers uh, you know these beefy uh, machines calculating stuff and spawning docker containers to um, you know uh, containerize very bad, very badly listed dependencies and uh, make life quote unquote easier uh, to the developer and of course give it a nightmare, give it a, give it a nightmare to the poor engineer who has to deal with the massive containers. So that's kind of the, let's say, the strategy that people have been, have been using to increase, for example, portability. But of course, when you speak to a, a, a pure computer scientist, uh, he would just, you know, skip the Docker abstraction and try to, uh, you know, eliminate that abstraction, in fact, and uh, find something different, which is usually something that goes closer and closer to the, to the machine, to the bare metal, which is, of course, compiling uh, your code for that particular architecture using so-called native binaries that are specifically optimized for that particular operating system and for that particular hardware. So this is kind of uh, where Rust uh, performs, in fact, because Rust is born as a language that uh, uh, indeed is compiled. Um, it can be optimized. There are several levels of optimizations uh, with Rust. Um, it can be uh, using crates that are specifically designed for certain operating systems and definitely for certain hardware. Uh, not only this, but Rust, as I've said, I said already many times in uh, many uh, episodes in the past on this show, uh, it gives us uh, Rust gives us security, portability, 
and performance. These are the three, let's say, features and characteristics of your uh, of the best programming language that you definitely don't want to ignore. Uh, you want to consider it for any, especially commercial projects. The problem, however, is that safe code, uh, that is code that, for example, doesn't allow the developer to fall in the trap of uh, nasty bugs like, uh, you know, memory violation or um, let's say buffer overflows and so on and so forth. Uh, it comes at the cost of uh, having native binaries, for example. No, it comes at the cost of, of course, a, a steep learning curve to avoid uh, these um, these types of bugs and uh, definitely, uh, you know, learn some of the computer programming paradigm uh, that are you know specific to Rust. And so don't expect to learn this overnight. That's for sure. So that's the kind of the price to pay uh, in order to have safety or safe code. Still, there are issues or let's say drawbacks whenever using Rust, um, but also whenever using compiled languages, which is security. Um, for example, native binaries, uh, when executed on, on on a system, they can, in fact, depending if they are containerized or, or uh, sandboxed, but usually they're not. But in fact, if they are not, they could crash the entire system. So, you know, you, you don't have something, you no longer have something like, you know, a Python script that runs into a runtime. And if that thing fails, uh, sorry, not sorry, the runtime failed, the rest of the system is up and running. When you are dealing with Rust or C, C++, and you compile something and you have native binaries, you know, these things can, these executable can, in fact, uh, put your system on its knees. Um, there is also portability issues. Uh, native binaries can be specific to a particular operating system, and this can be a benefit, of course, because of the optim op optimization part, but also a problem because, you know, you reduce portability by uh, compiling or using specific crates that are for that particular OS. Um, so the problem of portability is a kind of a, 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 a double-edged sword uh, that can play in your favor or against. Uh, definitely, we have performance as um, the biggest, you know, the biggest elephant in the room, if I can say. Uh, Rust is, in fact, one of the most performant languages that you can think of. Um, it's usually compared to C, uh, and uh, several times it's also uh, better than C, especially on the safety side. Now, when it comes to the uh, so-called uh, large language model application stack, uh, which I covered in another episode, so feel free to check that out on uh, uh, the official website, datascienceathome.com, um, there is yet another uh, important runtime for uh, Rust applications, which is WASM. And uh, uh, WASM is, uh, stands for WebAssembly. Uh, there are several languages that can, that can compile to WASM, C++ being one of them, and of course, TypeScript, uh, and of course, Rust. And uh, the combination between Rust and Wasm is something that I definitely think that's exactly what Elon Musk meant when he claimed that Rust is going to be the, the language of AGI. Now, let's skip the AGI part. Let's uh, talk about AI. Let's talk about machine learning. Let's, like, let's talk about modern data science. I strongly believe that Rust plus Wasm are in fact kind of one of the best combination you can think of uh, when it comes to uh, large language model application stack. And um, to summarize it a bit, we uh, we have, you know, when you consider the LLM application stack, um, you know, you 
usually have the agents that uh, um, you know are connecting connected to uh, the internet and of course they receive uh, internet events they can connect to databases they can call uh, some web services around your cloud or even out of your cloud um, and so rust and uh, wasm in fact provide a very interesting stack for uh, high performance agent apps uh, especially when it comes to uh, async code, uh, asynchronous code, and of course, non-blocking uh, input output for uh, high-density applications. There is another going downwards uh, in the uh, LLM application stack. You move from, let's say, the agent to uh, so-called inference layer. Uh, the inference layer is usually performing uh, some of the most CPU intensive tasks to uh, pre-process uh, data, to po post-process numbers, uh, for example, into sentences or uh, structured, uh, structured JSON data, uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, whenever you think about, for example, pre-processing words and sentences, uh, especially when it comes to uh, LLM applications, uh, that's what I'm talking about. That's the inference layer where the CPU is doing the uh, you know, job of performing, uh, let's say, the prediction of the next word in a text generative task and so on and so forth. Now, there are some examples here and probably one of the most um, famous as we speak uh, goes under the name of MediaPipe Rust, uh, which is written MediaPipe-RS. And uh, I will provide some of the links in the show notes of this episode on uh, datascienceathome.com. And last but not least, there's the tensor layer uh, where you know all the GPU-intensive tasks are uh, essentially passed from WASM to uh, the native tensor libraries, for example, Llama CPP, PyTorch, uh, and TensorFlow, uh, etc. Speaking of MediaPipe uh, uh, RS or MediaPipe Rust, uh, this is a Rust library for uh, MediaPipe tasks for uh, Wasm Edge, uh, Wasi, and N. And uh, uh, this is a very interesting uh, piece of software because it's a low-code API, very similar to MediaPipe Python, for those who are familiar with that library. There is very little overhead um, because there is Rust in between, Was Rust and Wasm, of course. Uh, it's very flexible in the sense that users can uh, use custom media bytes as inputs uh, as input uh, and there are uh, pretty much you know many tasks that can be uh, already supported by the library uh, in particular in the fields of uh, object detection uh, image segmentation and classification uh, there's gesture recognition uh, hand landmark detection image embedding phase detection, and then, of course, uh, text classification, text embedding, and audio classification. And the, if you look at the, um, you know, the readme of the official repository on uh, GitHub, uh, you will see some code snippets that are uh, actually very interesting and very easy to read, even though you must know Rust, but uh, uh, the API is very clean, uh, though I found some... Uh, probably from room for improvement, but that's a different story. Um, but there is a very interesting example about, for example, an image classifier, uh, as well as an object detector, or a text classification that can be done with less than 10 lines of code of Rust. And so the complexity that uh, these 10 lines of code of Rust uh, you know, can hide is impressive. Um, 
So to conclude, uh, definitely Rust and Wasm can be uh, probably one of the best replacements to um, the Python uh, ecosystem as we know it today, uh, because they integrate very well uh, with, for example, uh, CPU tensor libraries, as well as GPU tensor libraries, uh, which by the way are also written in C, C++ and Rust. So uh, it's kind of completing that stack from the let's say front end for or an API for a developer uh, down to the back end which is already optimized. Um, also um, Rust and Wasm are more efficient in implementing uh, application specific uh, pre and post processing data functions um, so all the tasks where uh, inference is involved uh, are usually faster than uh, than Python or Python equivalent. Um, they have uh, container image sizes uh, if you ever want to use Docker uh, or Docker containers, which are much smaller than uh, the Python equivalent. Uh, usually it's like several megabytes when you use uh, a, a Docker image, for example, for Rust and Wasm, compared to several hundreds of megabytes whenever you use uh, something you know python based they're also safer objectively speaking uh, because not just because of the language which is known to be a safe language you know because of the impossibility to write certain nasty bugs uh, which by the way also in python you cannot you know uh, mess up too much because indeed it's an interpreted language running in an interpreter but uh, when i speak about safety uh, you know safer than python containers uh, i mean that the uh, attack surface is much smaller due to the fact that when you deal with a Python based container, the amount of dependencies that you build or uh, in, import in your in your Docker uh, is much, much bigger, it's much bigger than the, uh, the, let's say the dependencies for a Rust slash Wasm uh, application. And so uh, usually th that's the main reason why these containers are much smaller in Rust than Python. Uh, it means that many less things can fail, many less things can have a bug and definitely can mess up with the entire workflow if you ever use that particular Docker image. And of course, this is kind of superfluous to say now, uh, they are more efficient uh, in implementing all the networking intensive and all the long uh, running tasks that are usually required for uh, LLM agents. Remember that we are moving from a standalone way of uh, inferring stuff and uh, generating text, you know, the chat GPT kind of thing that we are we were used in March this year <laughs> to something a bit you know more complex which is the concept of agent that eventually can go online download uh, live resources and uh, embed these resources uh, live and uh, you know generate a conversation using a, a dynamic context and we have seen this with prompt engineering techniques so you know the the concept of the agent is becoming some something that from a uh, computational complexity perspective is more and more complex and also a much more complicated infrastructure is needed to uh, serve these uh, uh, these beasts now these are no longer standalone models and so again the you know rust has the all the properties that one would expect from a highly performant language um, which is yes not that easy to learn but uh, that's kind of your investment in some powerful tool um, even fast cars are not easy to drive and there is a learning curve but guess what they go faster than all the others so yes elon i think this time you're right rust is the language of the future
You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.